May we stand, please, and turn to Revelation chapter 19 for the reading of my assigned text. Revelation chapter 19. And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Hallelujah, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let's say it together. Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Once more, hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. How about once more? Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. And all the people said, praise the Lord. You may be seated. Of all of that is written in the Old Testament and the New Testament to encourage and inspire our hearts, here are words that are almost without equal. This is a message that sends a thrill to heaven and a chill down to hell. I want to take this dear old text and examine it with you under three heads. Number one, the unique theme of this proclamation. Number two, the universal testimony to his power. And thirdly, the ultimate tribute to his person. Notice how the message comes to us first. And after these things, this phrase appears five times in the book of the Revelation and provides a natural division for study, for it indicates the time sequence of these happenings. After these things, after the long night of the Great Tribulation, after the anguish and suffering under the ruthless reign of the Antichrist, after the dread mark of the beast, without which no man could buy or sell, after the seven angels have poured their seven last vials of horror and terror upon the world, full of unspeakable and deadly plagues upon the defenseless masses, the heavens are in convulsions. 
The sun turns to black as sackcloth of hair, the moon to blood, and the stars fall from heaven as the fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. The destruction of once mighty and prosperous Babylon, the harlot system that had enslaved the millions. This seemed like an unending night of terrors, a tunnel that has no end, a valley that has no exit, hope that is gone forever, and a sun that is set eternally. But here comes one of God's blessed after these things. After the night comes the day. After the, de- the weeping comes the joy. After the sadness comes the comfort. After the defeat comes victory. After the storm, there's the quietness. After the terror, there is the peace of God. After these things, a voice. A great voice from the throne of God. From the center of all authority. And it's directed to the servants of God and all those that fear him. And if you are one of God's servants and you fear him, this message comes to you directly from God. Hallelujah! For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Go ahead. Hallelujah! This is something to applaud for. This is something to bring an evasion over. Hallelujah! The Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Notice in what, what manner this message is announced. And I heard the voice as of a great multitude. And as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. I don't know how big a great multitude is. Perhaps the largest I have ever seen was back in May 1951, when General Douglas MacArthur took his farewell from the land of Japan after it had been fired by the haberdasher from Kansas City. Two and a half million people lined the streets, screaming, shouting, crying, Sayonara, MacArthur, until we could feel the trembling of the city streets under our feet. I don't know how much noise this water might make, But I think of Niagara, the honeymoon capital of the world. I think of a thousand Niagara's as that water cascades down into the whirlpools below. And the sound of mighty thunderings, the cannonading of the atmosphere, declaring hallelujah for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. God intends this message to be heard. Above the noise and the clamor of business, above the tumult of unbelief, the screaming of revolutionaries, the clash of conflicting ideas and ideals, 
above the cries of the hungry and the undernourished, above the blasts of angry propagandists, above the ear-splitting cacophony of a world racing to ruin, can be heard the chorus of heavenly voices. Hallelujah! For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Shout it, ye redeemed multitudes! Proclaim it, you roaring waters! Make it heard, ye celestial thunderclaps! Make it known! Proclaim it! It is God's message! It is a message for today, for tomorrow, and for all eternity! Praise God! Praise God! Not so many years ago, it was totally different. The one now proclaimed as sovereign Lord, ruler, and king flees for his life to Egypt. His upset neighbors in Nazareth attempted to throw him over the cliff because they were offended at his message. The natives of Gadara proclaimed him persona non grata because he had ruined their hog business. His infuriated fellow citizens demanded his crucifixion and solicitous friends laid him gently and tenderly in Joseph's rock grave. The Pharisees congratulated themselves upon successfully ridding themselves of this religious revolutionary. The fur will soon die down, they hoped. Pilate closes the records upon another severely trying and exhausting experience as the governor of Jerusalem. The loathsome leper languishes in his filthy rags and bawls monotonously the hated word, unclean, unclean, at the passers-by. The blind men grope on in their blindness, holding out empty hands for a coin. The harlot slinks away in the darkness to ply her nefarious trade. The disciples cower in terror, disillusioned and crushed. But out of the hurting silence comes a voice they have heard before. I am the first, I am the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. So it was with John on the Isle of Patmos, Hell's Island, if you please, where Rome dumped her moral refuse, the anarchists, the murderers, the revolutionaries, the incorrigibles, the sex deviates. Sitting on a lofty crag above the Mediterranean Sea, the gentle, loving John listens to the restless waters play their mournful oratorios on the rocky keyboards of the shore. He hears the screeching of the greedy vultures as they gorge themselves on the rotting carcasses. He hears the barking of the jackals and the hyenas in their search for their prey. He hears the screaming and the cursing of evil men whose chief talent is murder. But above the discordant sounds and in spite of the wretchedness of his incarceration, he could say, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Hallelujah! He said, I heard a message. And the message was, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. 
Oh, that we might, like John, shut out the discordant and distressing noises, to close our ears to the doom and the gloom, and learn to fellowship God in the Spirit, and let Him say to our tested faith, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. The headlines are black and foreboding. Nations are armed with a plethora of terrifying weapons of destruction that can destroy whole continents and murder millions. The flood tide of immorality threatens the destruction of all we hold dear. Men's hearts failing them for fear. Evil men waxing worse and worse. Deceivers, spiritual and profane, roam our land in droves, captivating the media and the press. Our sense of values is eroding. The old foundations are crumbling. The voice of the lukewarm church is indefinite and vacillating. But in the very center of this maelstrom of, of confusion and fear stands the assemblies of God with a command from God, with a commission from Christ, with a charge from the Apostle Paul. Preach the word! The instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they'll not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts will they heap themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But you, let me paraphrase, but you, assemblies of God, watch in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. Preach, brother, preach! Preach the Word! We are not called upon to be newscasters commenting on the world's immorality and corruption. We have been called to be prophets to declare in the gathering gloom that the Lord God omnipotent reigneth and liveth the King of kings and the Lord of lords and He is in charge. Let us who know the joyful sound, who have been quickened and energized by these life-giving promises, join the countless throngs who sing their song of triumph in the heavenly realms. Let's join the sounds of the mighty rushing cataracts. Let's join the sound of the mighty thunderclaps and sending a resounding note of victory to our nation and to our world from the big church from the little church, on the radio, the TV, the printed page, by personal witness, let the message ring out, the Lord God reigneth. Let's tell this to our fears. Let's tell it to our weakness and our timidity. Let's tell this to our sickness, our bodily ills, the diagnosis and the prognosis. Let's tell this to the devil, that old serpent, that the Lord God reigneth and shortly will trample him under the feet of God's marching church. In other words, we'll trump the devil out of him. The Lord God reigns. In this decade, 
that we have dedicated to church growth in the face of apostasy and declension, in the face of lukewarmness and falling away. Let's gird our loins afresh, take new heart, accept the challenge, and declare with faith and fervor that the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Secondly, the universal testimony to his power. Every act of Jesus was an act of power. Not only are his miracles facts of history, every miracle is also a prophecy. When he appeared at the wedding in Cana of Galilee, his mother informs him and says, they are out of wine. Jesus called his disciples and ordered them to take the earthen pots that were standing there and fill them with water and take them to the governor. By the time the water was brought to the governor, a miracle had occurred. The water had turned to wine. Now, if any should interpret this miracle as a license for social drinking, let me make this suggestion. Now, I didn't clear this with the executive presbytery. In fact, I didn't even share it with the general superintendent. But I will assume full responsibility for this statement. If here in St. Louis you fill a glass, either at the motel or at the hotel, and if by the time you get to your table it is turned to wine, drink it. Seriously, I just can't feature our Lord, who was so particular about unleavened bread for the holy feasts, making fermented wine. When the governor tasted the wine, he exclaimed, Wow! No, that isn't really what he said. He said, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men, men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the best wine until now. As our Lord did in Cana, so he is doing today. God has kept the best wine for the end time of this gospel feast. What was considered a temporary religious novelty a few years ago is now a worldwide phenomenon. The local group of Pentecostal fanatics has spread around the world. That little spark in Topeka, Kansas, has become a globe-girdling conflagration. What was largely confined to Pentecostal groups has leaped every denominational barrier, from the storefronts to magnificent cathedrals, from the little mission to the Vatican. The sound of other tongues is heard as people learn to worship God in spirit and in truth. They said it would blow over. It has. It has blown all over. Reminds me of the Indian boy who saw his first steam train, steam engine. If you've never seen a real engine, a real train, now these modern two-tone streamlined effeminate things, they don't look anything like the trains I grew up with. Real he-men, masculine types of machines. 
And when this Indian boy saw this train standing there on the track, just as dead as it could be, he said, hmm, that'll never run. But it was almost time. The conductor yelled, all aboard! The engineer pushed that big lever ahead, and that steam came out of that long boiler and went down into the cylinders, began to push those pistons. Clouds of smoke came out of that big smokestack. The wheels began to spin on the tracks and the fire began to fly. And the petrified young Indian cried, Oh, it'll never stop! <laughs> God said something into our world that will not stop. It is moving around our world. He will take the dead, dull church and imbue her with life and spiritual vigor. He will take the weak and make them strong. He will take the sad and fill them with joy unspeakable and full of glory. He will take the doubting and make them men of stalwart faith. He will take the commonplace and make it spectacular. He will take that tasteless water and turn it into bubbling, sparkling wine. He has kept the best wine until now. In John 3, 8, Jesus spoke to Nicodemus about the wind. He said, the wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but you can't tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth. Jesus was speaking of the sovereignty of the Holy Spirit. The wind doesn't stop at the borders of the communist countries of Eastern Europe and say, Mr. Commissar, can I blow here? He doesn't stop at the Great Wall of China and say, Mr. Chinese, can I blow here? He didn't ask the Catholic Church. The Lutheran Church, the Methodist Church, the Baptist Church, or the Assemblies of God. He just began to blow. And today the mighty winds of God are blowing all over our world. May they blow on us in this council. May they blow on our churches, upon our preachers and people. May the winds of God blow in the mission fields and upon our missionaries until a crescendo of praise shall arise so that shall match the glory of the Magnificat of heaven. Hallelujah! For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. All winds of God, blow on us tonight. Ezekiel's winds, blow once again till out of the deadness comes life. Out of the skeletons come spirit-filled channels of blessing to a dying world. What a magnificent act of power was displayed when Jesus touched the poor leper and made him completely whole. Who can imagine the rejoicing when the leper passed the priest's examination and was allowed to return home to his wife and family from whom he had been separated for so many sad and aching years. Imagine that leper like a high school cheerleader leading his family in this outburst of praise. Hallelujah! For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth even over leprosy. Then look at the moral lepers of our land that need healing and cleansing, homes that need healing, marriages that need healing, families need healing, hurting minds need healing, crushed hearts need healing, and the healer of yesterday is the same today, yesterday and forever, and the message follows him. Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. 
Follow him across beautiful Galilee. What a day for a quiet and restful boat ride. A relaxing time with his disciples. But without warning, the storm strikes. Fear and consternation grips the hearts of his followers. Terror stricken, they cry. Carest thou not, we perish. With what majesty our Lord arises, stands up in that tossing boat, moves his hand across the storm and says, Silence! The water and the winds hush and fall at his blessed feet. But from across the Galilean hills and across the Syrian mountains can be heard the triumphant refrain, Hallelujah! The Lord God omnipotent reigneth over the winds and over the waves. Though this is an act of history, is this scene not repeated in a thousand places and in a thousand ways? Oh, the storms that sweep unannounced upon the family of God. How many days of pure joy have ended up in nights of unspeakable terror? How many solid and happy homes are viciously torn apart by the voracious monsters of immorality and infidelity? The storms of sickness, of misfortune, the loss of home and health, bereavements, the loss of family, not only for the blisses in Iran and the masters in South Dakota, but wherever humans go, there is the tragedy, the uncounted agonies and sorrows which befall the human family. But into the storm, into the heartache, into the grief comes our Lord Jesus with his gentle voice and healing touch. Peace, be still. He soothes the aching heart. He cools the fevered brow. He calms the terror-stricken life and brings a peace that passeth all understanding. Come with me to Bethany. Lazarus is buried there in the Johannine account as Jesus comes to the grave of his friend. John writes, Jesus wept. Wept for a friend? Yes, for more than a friend. For in Lazarus, Jesus saw the whole world. Jesus saw the triumph of Satan in bringing man to his downfall. Romans 5, 12. For by one man, sin came in the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. In Lazarus, Jesus saw every funeral, every bereaved heart and home. He saw the tears, the heartache, the loneliness, the emptiness. And then, with a voice of mighty command, the Lord of life cries, Lazarus, come forth. And out of the grave he comes, alive and well. And what happened that day in Bethany will happen in every cemetery of our world where a child of God lies sleeping, waiting for that trumpet call. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And when he comes, he will throw the machinery of death into reverse. And the grave which could only say, give me, will hear him say, give up. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. 
Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Every empty grave will shout, Hallelujah! For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. This is the light that illuminates the darkest night. He's coming. Jesus Christ is coming. In Titus 2.13, this is the blessed hope. 1 Peter 1.3, it's a lively hope. 1 John 3.3, it's a purifying hope. 1 Thessalonians 4.18, it is a comforting hope. I am looking for the translation, not the tribulation. no quarrel with my friends who want to go through the tribulation. I wish them well according to your faith, so be it unto you. But as for me, I'm catching the first thing that remotely is pointing in that direction. Hallelujah. I have my ticket, I have my reservation, and I'm going to leave shouting, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Praise God! Praise God! Praise God! Praise God! Praise God! Praise God! Then thirdly, let's look at the ultimate tribute to his person. It is nothing short of a shameful tragedy, but more and more our Lord is being relegated to obscurity. His birthday is cluttered with celebration, commercialism, Drinking Santa Claus and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. His resurrection is observed with Easter parades, Easter bunnies, colored eggs, and Easter hats. He is not welcome in our schools. The average home has no place for him. And even Jesus himself said of his church, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. But how quickly the order of things is going to change. The babe of Bethlehem is now the Lord of Lords. The man of the cross is now the King of Kings. The one knocking at the door is now the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only wise God, the Supreme Potentate, King of all rulers, presidents, and governors. Listen to Paul from his jail write, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, things on earth, and things under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As King of Kings he ascends the throne, which is his sovereign right. He takes up the reins of world government. The nations must surrender all to him and acclaim him as Lord and God. The keys of the empires will be turned over to him. His conquest will be total and his rule will be absolute. The communist nations, the democratic nations, the African and South American nations, the Asiatic nations, 
the OPEC nations, that total failure on at late success, the disunited United Nations will prostrate themselves before the dazzling splendor of the magnificent rider on the white horse as he comes riding out of the heavens, followed by the triumphant army of his redeemed. Glory to God. Look, ye saints, the sight is glorious. See the man of sorrows now. From the fight returns victorious. Every knee to him shall bow. Crown him, crown him. Crowns become the victor's brow. Crown the Savior. Angels crowned him. Rich the trophies Jesus brings. In the seat of power and throne him. While the vault of heaven rings. Crown him, crown him. Crown the Savior, King of kings. Sinners in derision crowned him. Mocking thus the Savior's claim, saints and angels crowd around him, own his title, praise his name, crown him, crown him, spread abroad the victor's fame. Hark! Those bursts of acclamation! Hear those loud triumphant chords! Jesus takes the highest station! Oh, what joy that sight affords! Crown him, crown him! King of kings and Lord of lords. Every knee shall bow. The pharaohs, the Caesars, the haughty pretenders of history, Mohammed, Buddha, Stalin, Lenin, Hitler, Mussolini, Mazzitong, Voltaire, Ingersoll, and Madeleine Murray O'Hare. Glory to God. And their vile, blasphemous tongues shall utter his highest name in awe and reverence and pay him highest tribute, for they shall confess he is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. What a day of triumph when the uncounted millions shall fill the heavens with their song. Worthy is the Lord that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea heard I say, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and under the Lamb forever and ever. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of the world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever. From every capital of the world, of every capital of earth, Emmanuel's flag is going to fly from Moscow to Melbourne, from Tokyo to Tehran, from Paris to Peking, from London to Lagos, from Washington to Warsaw, from Johannesburg to Jerusalem. And as Zechariah prophesied so many years ago, and the Lord shall be king over all the earth, in that day there shall be one Lord and his name one. Hallelujah. That's my Lord. You, Lord. You and I are joined to a winner who has never lost a battle. Satan and his hordes will be forever incarcerated. Sin and sickness will forever vanish. Poverty, hunger, racism will be, will be obliterated from the earth forever. And death 
dethroned and destroyed. From the valleys and the mountains, from the deserts and the jungles, from the thronging thoroughfare or the lonely isle, from the far frozen north to the equatorial masses, from Greenland's icy mountain, from India's coral strand, from Africa's sunny fountain, emerges a new song, the national anthem of our world. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall, bring forth the royal diadem, and crown him Lord of all. Hallelujah! For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let's stand and praise him. Let's worship him. Let's bring him praise and adoration. Glory to God. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. 